We're here today on our Evil Elvis episode, and I'm sitting here with Nudia. Hello. And we're starting with our, our movie reviews, which actually isn't a whole movie review, as you know, if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, but we're actually only reviewing trailers because we're really busy people and we don't have time to go watch the whole damn movie. But on our Facebook page, we'll give you uh, connections and links and ways to see these things. Our first film today is Bubba Hotep with Bruce Campbell. And I just love that guy. I love everything he's in. I have a huge crush on him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that kind of woman. Like, really? There's not. I'm not. But, damn. I would, if, if I got to meet him face to face, I would have a hard time. I'm not just having a Speaking, meltdown. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Bubba Hotep, he's not sexy in this one at all but i love i just love him so the i have to admit i've seen the film but it's been many many years mm. and so i watched the trailer and i love the trailer there's it's it, ozzy davis is in it um there's I, I don't know her name i'm terrible i don't do my homework but uh she's been in some recent films and and really become uh Actress, but, famous, yeah. but I love the film. I love the premise of it, of him being an Elvis impersonator, and then he breaks a hip falling off stage, and then he's in a nursing home, and uh and then this uh like zombie happen. creatures yeah. start coming and and he has yeah. to kind of save the world in a way. There you go, yes. Yeah, it's he's turned to be kind of like the savior of the world or something. Yeah. It's really interesting. I got everything. I got the hint of the whole movie through the trailer. I haven't watched the movie. Okay. So all you are saying is exactly portrayed in the trailer. Yeah. And I think it got me into it. It got me in a way that I now want to watch the movie. Yes. And it gets to be scary even. A little Just bit. Just for the trailer. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some spooky stuff. Yeah, but, there you go. You know, uh, the costuming is great. Yes. The, the soundtrack. The, makeup. The makeup. The, makeup, yeah. the, the mm -hmm. DOP, you know, the, mm -hmm. the photography. It's, it's just really yes. well done. Yes, it is. It's really fun. It's tongue-in-cheek. And I think that uh, Bruce Campbell is like the king <laughs> of knowing how to laugh at himself. And honestly, I guess that's why he's my hero because mm -hmm. I look at who I want to emulate in life, yeah, yeah. who I want to be, and he's he one, of, be one he's, of them. He's one of those yes. people. So I totally give Bubba Hotep a thumbs, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yes. The next film. Uh, see, I started with a good one <laughs> because <laughs> I agree. And honestly, I don't know. You know how you make choices and then later you say, why was I thinking that? Honestly, I don't know why I chose this film for the <laughs> Evil Elvis episode. It's Rockabilly Vampire. And again, we're going to put our links on our Facebook page, Jackie well, we Panda Horror. Justify that is because Rockabilly, which is one of the genres for Elvis. And, and, yeah. Okay. And the guys look... the at least the trailer, I haven't watched the movie, but the likes, yeah. the guys looked like the look that Elvis yeah. had in the you 50s know what? and 60s. I can guarantee you I'm not going to watch this. Film. No, no, yeah. It's I won't cool. watch it either. <laughs> it's like the the trailer is 
like a uh, an 80s MTV musical video. Uh-huh. But, or, but or, bad, or musical but a movie. Re- but but a really bad one. I mean there's some really good ones. Poorly produced. Poorly yes, produced. Yes. Yeah. But the whole trailer is basically a music video so mm-hmm. that you actually have absolutely no idea what the film exactly. is about. What is going on? And... Or any interest in watching it. So Unfortunately, they yeah. didn't yeah. do anything. Exactly the same happened. Rocky Billy Vampire, don't bother. Thumbs or down. Or we dare you. <laughs> totally thumbs, thumbs down. down. All right. <laughs> and that's it on our movie trailers today. So, for the four-finger idea on Jackie's Hand of Horror today, I thought of a number of things. Uh, But, you know, I think that Elvis capes aren't that useful. And uh, most of us don't need anything else cluttering up our closets. Uh, For the rare occasion, we might need an Elvis cape. Um, Elvis dog costumes, uh, kind of outdated, again. And uh, hard to explain on audio. So I kind of went a little bit off topic today, uh, but not really. I'm looking at albums, LPs. Have you ever seen those bowls from melted LPs? Uh, I always thought those were pretty cool, but they're kind of expensive. And why would I buy one when I have a whole stack of flat ones uh, and no way to play them? So, here we go. We're going to make some bowls out of old LPs, albums, uh, for, that go on the record player for those of you younger than, uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, you heat your oven to 220 degrees. And then you get yourself a glass or a metal bowl, set the LP, the album, on top of that bowl, flat, and put it in the oven for uh, about 10 minutes. I'm gonna, actually, I'm gonna post a video on this as well. There's a Rachel Ray video of uh, them making these. So that will be on my Jackie's Hand of Horror Facebook page. So 220 degrees, you put the bowl in the oven, and you put the album on top of the bowl and you leave it there for not very long. Keep an eye on it. Uh, might be just a couple minutes. Um, so watch it. And as soon as it starts to sink into the bowl, you pull it out. Uh, I would recommend wearing some oven mitts or some gloves, barbecue gloves, just because the bowl's going to be hot. 220 is not that hot. But you know what I mean. Pull it out and then uh, with your gloved hand, start pushing the album into the bowl and get it to fold and wrinkle just the way you want it. And take it out and it's dry. I mean dry. It's already dry. It's cool uh, immediately and you have instant bowls for for popcorn or snacks, dry things. Don't forget there's a little hole in it. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't put anything wet in there. But uh, dry snacks, chips, there you go. And that's it for the 
pointer finger at the idea section on Jackie's Hand of Horror. Well, we're back on Jackie's Hand of Horror on our Bad Elvis episode. And for our middle finger today, our interview section is, I have with me Dwayne Whitaker. Is that how you say it? It is. <laughs> you had a funny look on your face. I thought, how did I mispronounce that? <laughs> ah, you're fine. <laughs> anyway, he's a crack up. Uh, Dwayne and I met, what, a couple months ago. Uh, we were both guests at an event in Cleveland, Cinema Wasteland. Yeah, really great show. That's We actually met at the airport. Yeah, we did. We were standing out there waiting for our car. Uh-huh. And uh, I was mobbed by all the fans. And, oh, I know. No. <laughs> I, think, I think somebody did come up when I do that. And that's a great show, by the way, Cinema Wasteland. That's, it's run by a guy named Ken Kish and his wife, Pam, and some great, it's just a it's a, it's not a huge show, but it's it's one of my favorite ones because it's just it's very well run and the yes. people kind of it's kind of a sophisticated crowd. They don't it, it's it's it just I love that show. I've done it twice. It um, was my first time. I'd never heard of it before, but uh, even though it was a small show, oh man, the love! I no, thought those people really get that. <laughs> they get what I do. No, no, that's it's it's it's. Uh, probably better for you even even more mainstream they they have they have just a, he brings in really interesting guests and sometimes it doesn't work at all i i know the next one they have coming is some it's like uh gosh i'm blanking on the name of the movie but it's some there's some canadian tax shelter movie and, and he's bringing like all these people in and it may go over great and it may stiff i don't know it's a, a blood my bloody valentine that's oh okay and, well good uh, for him i mean he's got a lot of courage he's just no no he doesn't really care yeah he'll 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 just book you know he, i mean he, he books some sort of obvious people but not not uh, you know you look around and you go wow this is an interesting really different kind of lineup than you would yeah. see it in a, in a more mainstream show so yeah I, I love that show well they kind of spoiled me so i don't think i can do any more shows yeah no that's, that's, that's well you do the one in seattle yes which, yeah the Crypticon, Crypticon. which i which i've never done i would love to do that's that's i've heard that again a smaller show yes but real uh, real similar in terms of tight family yeah feeling I'm and sure, uh, i'm sure they just haven't been able to get a hold of me for some i reason. think so because you'd, you'd be great at crypticon <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i'll see I'm what sure, i can I'm do sure, i'm sure they're trying to track me down as, as we speak well yeah. let's get on to who are you <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good question although i we got to back up a it turns out i just thought this was an odd coincidence i looked okay. at it. we were born 11 days apart 150 miles apart in texas that's pretty isn't that amazing over the whole country even if we were both born in texas 150 miles is yeah. a pretty small distance for that state yeah and i it's a very small and i would and i was born in abilene which you know I, which i didn't even realize until i was until i got my social security card i always thought i was born in lubbock but i was actually born in abilene and then we moved you know to lubbock when i was maybe two or three years old uh -huh. so i don't remember exactly but i was like when i got my birth certificate i was like what is this abilene i didn't even know how to spell it <laughs> oh. You know? Well, it's better than Natchitoches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but to answer your question, I w I'm an actor. I, I I'm an actor who sometimes writes, sometimes directs, sometimes produces, and 
and I also teach. We're actually doing this interview in my and where I teach yeah. an acting class. It's a very uh, cool space. It's a great space. I, I it's not my space. I rented from a guy named Alan Feinstein. He's a really really cool guy, really great teacher, and is a really interesting actor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind well, of kind of retired now. But, but what are you most famous for? What I'm, would this audience know <laughs> you for? I'm most famous by a mile for Pulp Fiction. I play yes. the I play the amiable pawn shop owner. <laughs> yes, Maynard. Right? <laughs> Maynard, yeah. Um, and that's kind of the that's kind of the one that's going to stick with me above everything else, probably no matter what. Which is fine, you know. I've, I've yeah. I've you know doing these being on these panels, they kind of make you think about this stuff. And I said, if if I had to be in a movie the last thirty years, if I could have picked the movie, it would have either been Pulp or, or uh, Boogie Nights, you know. And and so. I, I can't I can't really complain about that it's been it's I think it's been it was really really helpful it was kind of that I remember reading an interview with uh, I think it was Powers Booth or somebody he said he said he'd been in New York for years and never got a job and he finally got two lines on a soap opera and it legitimatized his life right and and this yes. kind of, even though I was even though I was at the, at the point that I got pulled I was making my living as an actor but just barely I mean I I had I had been working a few, years, and that was kind of the one that kicked it into the into another gear. And I and, and I didn't even really take that much advantage of it. I was I started I made my own little movie, which we'll talk about later. But mm-hmm. I probably didn't. I'm not a very smart businessman, you know. I'm not. I'm and I'm not saying that out of any pride. It's just true. I, I don't necessarily do the smart thing. I should have. I should have <laughs> yeah. taken advantage of that heat and, and really went out. And, but that's probably. Yeah. I mean, that's so common amongst creative people. I guess. I mean, some people have, most people, you know, most people I know who are really good business people aren't, aren't very good actors. You know, there's a few exceptions, but it's, you know, the whole, especially now the whole self-promotion, you know, and all this stuff, it's just really, it's kind of irritating to me. You know, I, I do, obviously I'm sitting here talking to you, we're talking, which I guess is some level of self-promotion, but I don't, I generally don't do it. I mean, unless I've got something specifically to promote, it just, it just feels creepy to me, you know, uh-huh. and, and. You know, it, it's it, there's people who spend ninety percent of their time promoting, and you know, two percent of their time becoming better actors, or what, or whatever, whatever they're it doing. It takes and a it, lot of time to get attention in this yeah, world. There's but I, so I've much always competition. I've always just felt that, that you know, do good work, and and that's that's step one. You know, the the car before the horse to me is is it, it doesn't matter. I have people, you know, when I'm teaching, and they're coming to me like, how can I get an agent? How can I, mm. you know, how can I get in this? Man, it's like, well become a better actor to start with yeah. you know because you're not good enough you're not going to at a callback level you're not going to book it anyway so don't worry about that right now you know worry about becoming really good it's like a musician i mean you wouldn't spend you know a hundred hours promoting your record and, and zero time actually writing songs and recording you know you, you right. have to have the product first you know, and I think this sort of the last couple of generations, at least my experience from teaching, is is that they they don't really get that. They think it's it's about it's all about self promotion. It's all about shucking and jiving, which which I, I think there comes there comes a time where you got to do the work, and when they point the camera at your face, you got to deliver. If you can't do that, then all that's gone to waste. You know. That's right. Yeah, I I kind of liken that to uh, I was a faux painter did faux finish work for as mm-hmm. my career and how I raised my kids and I saw a lot of bad contractors out sure. there and I thought 
it just seems like it takes a whole hell of a lot more work to promote yourself than it is if you just do a good job and word of mouth. Sure. You know. Well, no, and that's how, you know, my career is such as it is. I mean, I've, up until this point, I actually have a really great manager now, a guy named Chris Rowe. But up until this point, you know, I've, I've failed miserably with having representation. So um, a lot of probably, certainly in the last 15, 20 years, 70% of what I do is people, you know, it's, it's rehires. It's people I've worked for before. They know mm-hmm. me or it's, it's people I've worked, friends who I've worked with and stuff like that. It's, it's a lot more common than than me going out and reading for something. Get, oh, I just did a movie a couple of weeks ago that was, it was, that was kind of odd because it, that's exactly what it was. I went out and I read for it and they hired me. Okay. Um, it's a movie called uh, The Great Illusion. I don't know that much about it, but I play a corner in it. But, but I remember when I was doing the job, it was kind of uncomfortable because I didn't know anybody. And I'm used to like, oh, I've worked with this guy oh, before. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very hard just to come in on a movie cold for a day and you don't really know anyone. You don't really know who wanted you. And I did the director really want me or did you? Know, so you, you've got, it's kind of an uncomfortable situation. But, yeah. but a lot of my, like you say, a lot of it's, it's like any other thing. You know, they go, wow, this guy was good. He delivered last time. He was good. He did some interesting stuff, and he, and he, you know, they know I'm not going to show up drunk or high, or you know, they know right. they know that that what they're going to get. There's not going to be any surprises. So sometimes, you know, that'll give you the edge over somebody where they go, "Well, this guy's really edgy, but he's a junkie." You know, yeah, so. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> time is money. Although a lot, <laughs> a lot of times they continue to hire these people, which is all a friend of mine. We're always baffled. It's like, well, you knew what you were getting into. Why did you do it? And we're, well, he we just such an interesting actor and like, well he's not interesting enough to shut your movie down you know yeah if he goes on a drug binge and you're in the middle of the thing and you know I've, and I've worked with a few people like that so yeah it's, it's a weird you know it's a it's a weird business it's like any other it has connections with anything else but I, sure. I've always I'm just a believer in just doing good work starting with that yeah you know? start with that and get as good as you can and work at it. that's you know and well, you do a lot of things. I mean, you well, you teach. I teach. I direct. I've got. I'm directing another movie. I'd like to direct a movie about every eighteen years. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm a <laughs> so little how many behind. More you got in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to push it. Did you uh, start at eighteen, or did you no. start at zero? No, I did. A, I did a movie. My first feature I wrote and directed was kind of it was kind of a. We'll talk about Eddie Presley, which yes. is sort of the kind of the beginning of the whole the, that second wave I had. You know, which. You know, connected to Pulp Fiction in a really direct way, but uh, Eddie Preston was kind of a frustrating thing in some, in some areas because I was, I wrote it and started it, but I didn't direct it. I didn't have the, the guy who directed it was a guy named Jeff Burr, who I've worked for a bunch of times. Great guy. I mean, really good director. And But he didn't see a lot of the movie the same way I saw it. So that was frustrating to go, well, that's not, you know, that's not yeah. how I would have done it, you know, and you have to, it, it, so the, the end result of the movie was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, I always, I always describe it as, as like a faulted movie, but a really great try. And something like at Wasteland, we were on a panel and people were getting mad at me. They're like, oh, I love the movie. What are you talking about? Oh. You know, so it connects with some people for yes. sure. You know, oh, I really liked it. You know, but you know, I, I kind of see what I thought. But anyway, out of that frustration, I did my own movie with a lot of the same actors a couple of years later called Together and Alone, which is about to, the reason I bring it up 
is that it's about to come out on Blu-ray. We're okay. in the next couple of months. We're, I'm not. I haven't been given a date yet, but I'm kind of trying to push it this year. Okay, sure. good. And I wrote and directed, it, and it's a neat little movie. It ended up being shown. Eddie Presley we got programmed at the Cinematheque, at the Egyptian, which is the best thing ever. And the program was like, well, what do we want to show with it? And I said, well, I got this little movie, you know, that I did. And he really fell in love with it. So it's played, it's actually been programmed there a couple of times now. And it looks like hopefully we'll get it programmed there again after for the Blu-ray release. Okay. And it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, Eddie Presley is. Yeah, yes. it's Eddie Presley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I'm looking but forward But Together to Alone is, it's that's, you know, not, not to be <laughs> I mean, any stretch to compare myself with Orson Welles, but he's... He always said that if he could get into heaven based on one movie, he would show him Chimes at Midnight, which is a movie that most people don't know. You would think it would be, and, and that's my get into heaven movie. You know, it's okay. It's it's really rough around the edges, but it's it's my movie. Like the mistakes, whatever they are, they're my mistakes, and and I have, you know, that's as close as I've ever come to doing something exactly like I wanted to. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I did. I didn't really have to answer anyone. You know, my girlfriend was the producer at the time, so. I didn't really have to answer. I had to answer to the budget, which was like nothing. <laughs> okay. But other than that, creatively, it was it was completely my project, and that's I've only had that been in that position that time, except on the movie I'm doing now. Um, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, I, you know, I used to I used to make this joke. You know, people go, "What do you do all this different stuff?" And I would just say, "I go where I'm kicked." Which, oh, good way to put it. Yeah, which yeah. is a line I stole from Bruce Davis, and and then I I told him I. He has, we have the same representation. And I, I said, you know, I, I stole your line. You know, I go where I'm kidding. He goes, he goes, I don't worry about it. I stole it from Sam Peckinpah. Oh. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I was feeling guilty for no there reason. There you go. And it may not have started. But it, it's kind of true. I mean, mo- a lot of the stuff that we're talking about would have never, would never happened if I hadn't have made it happen. And then that, you know, it's like an object in motion stays in motion kind of idea. You know, like you get, the universe doesn't really care that you're, you're the one that made the movie. It's like, well, he made a movie. Well, he's doing nothing. It kind of, once something starts moving, it's much easier to keep it moving. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and yes, it's, I do. Especially in any, in any of the entertainment. It's been my experience. You know, you get one job and that'll lead to the other and that leads to the other one. And even, even though they may not be directly related, it's just like you're, you've got that momentum and sometimes it'll stop for a while and it's very not fun. Well, <laughs> you like know? you said, uh, you touched on something when we were talking before, how Eddie Presley's where you met Quentin Tarantino. Quentin, yeah, yeah. And so when I was watching Eddie Presley, I well, first of all, I see Clue Gulliger. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Sure. I, like uh, I got to meet him a few years ago at a screening of uh, the restoration of Manos, The Hands of Fate uh-huh. at, uh, at the, in Hollywood. And uh, I saw him at Cantor's Deli afterwards, and mm-hmm. he called me over to his table, and he said he took my hand like such a gentleman. He says, "Your daddy must be so proud of you," because <laughs> I did a Q and A, and so then I went back to my table. I said, "What a nice gentleman!" And they go, "Don't you know who that is?" <laughs> so that's my connection to to oh, him. Clues what clues, a, what clues a, just an, I mean, I know their whole family. I I did. I mean. For years and years i actually met clue he saw me in a play okay like a zillion years ago and stayed afterwards to talk to me and and uh and uh my cousin used to wait on him at this restaurant he came up to him and he said he's waiting on him. he said clue i think you 
know my cousin Dwayne. He says, oh, I do. Dwayne's a great American artist. Aw. <laughs> He's <laughs> a great, great guy. But, you know, his son, uh, John, very talented director, I actually did, he directed uh, Feast, which I was co-starring okay. And that was a project, Greenland. In fact, Clue is in that also. Um, okay. And I work with Clue, a movie I did, another movie we'll talk about that, that's coming out, uh, Give Till It Hurts. Um, what else did I do with him? I've done, I've done, I've probably worked with Clue in the last 20 years more than anyone. <laughs> that guy, you look at his IMDb, he is like a working actor. Well, he basically doesn't work anymore unless it's for John or a friend or something, but he's still, even, you but know, when I met him, when I met him, I actually wrote that part for him because I was acquainted with and the director knew him better than Jeff knew him better than I did. So I wrote the part for him and he was just great, the sleazy agent. And, yeah. And, Later on, he said, you know, that he had never intended to do it. He was going to back out, but somehow his family guilted him because they were living in Oklahoma at the time. They got in a car and drove out. And, and God, I can't imagine that movie without him being in it. He's just, yeah. so, he's just so good in it. But, yeah, I, I'm not even sure how Quentin ended up in this, in Eddie Presley. Somebody on the – several people in the movie – I mean, Jeff was acquainted with him, and several people were acquainted. And we just kind of put out the word, hey, you want to come and do a cameo? And, and yeah. Uh, and he came down, and because Reservoir Dogs wasn't even out then. I think it, I think we were shooting about the same time, because I, I know at one point we were, our dailies were running like next door to each other. So we would see, you know, Lawrence Tierney was in both movies, so who was the devil. And so we would see him in both, on both screens in our movie and also oh. Dogs. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm not, I'm not 100%, but, but yeah, that was how I met him. We spent a day together and, and, you know, I've told this story a thousand times, maybe a year or so later, I ran into him at a, at a coffee shop in Hollywood, middle of the night, and we caught up. You know, you know what are you doing? I've, and I'd just done another movie for Jeff, I remember, called Puppet Master 5. So that was the movie I'd done. Oh, okay. And, uh, and he said, yeah. And I looked completely different. I had the long hair and a cowboy hat on. I started looking long rider's jacket. I looked like a lunatic. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm doing this movie. You know, you're kind of right for this part. I'll have him bring you in. And that was the that's what... Wow. I mean, it was a long, uh, unpleasant process to, to, to actually get cast, but that was what got me in the door. So it was a direct link, you know, to Eddie Presley for sure. You know, that's, yes. what, that's, that's what I was talking about. You know, this, once you get moving something, I mean, yeah. it was just, because it's a movie I would have never, had I not met him personally, it's a movie I would have never gotten an opportunity to get in that door with you know, where my sure. career was at that point, where my representation was. They did a they did an article on the Dallas Morning News on Eddie Presley and they were talking about uh, Clue Gulliger and you know what an interesting guy he was to cast in that part. And they were going through all the people that we used that were really odd choices. And yeah. they got to me and they said, and who would have thought of him at all? <laughs> you know, which, <laughs> which was true. You okay. know, because even though I had written the part for myself and I you know I I was writing stuff, I knew I could off theoretically because it was it was actually originally a play it was a one-man show yeah i saw that okay. oh and, i didn't know it was a one-man show. yeah it was a one-man oh. show well i had a i had an opening act and then i had a waitress come out at one point but essentially a one-man play which is kind of the third act of the movie so i was pretty certain i could pull it off okay. as an actor but it was kind of the part it, if, if you had submitted that and said here no agent i ever had would have ever submitted me for that part okay because they went well that's not Elvis person, I mean, that's not going to. But be. you did it, and and well, I, I, did, I, I mean, I just, I loved your character. 
Yeah, he's an interesting. He's an inter- Again, a really faulted character, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but but uh, it was kind of really what Eddie Presley was about when I wrote it. It was about my acting career. Okay. I was I was working as a guard, not quite making a living as an actor, and I it was just I just wrote it out of frustration. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a metaphor for my acting career, and and I mean I never went crazy, or it's not that crazy, <laughs> but yeah. but that's what it was. It was that in a combination of. Uh, I'd seen an Elvis impersonator when I was back in Lubbock. I was bartending, and this guy used to come through, and he kind of had this bad Elvis act, you know. And, okay. And, and that was his story. He had been a successful guy, and he'd quit everything to be an Elvis impersonator, and his whole family turned on his wife, divorced him. And he would tell the story every time. You know, it was painful. I don't know if he was – I don't. I can't vouch that it was true, but it sure sounded true. It was his therapy. Yeah, and I always thought that's a great idea for a play. Yeah, and I never until I got to he had a breakdown part, which which I had seen a, a guy break down in a McDonald's on Hollywood Boulevard, and then it kind of clicked. I went, oh, that's it, because just to watch a to watch a bad Elvis impersonator for an hour is not really much to it. But if it's a bad Elvis impersonator and something goes horribly wrong on stage, and then we find out this is his first gig after he's been locked up in a nut house for a few years, that's interesting. You know? It is yeah. so. That was once once that clicked in. I sat I sat down and wrote the play basically in one night. I wrote. I was working. I, in fact, I had to. I was working as a security guard, so I had to go do my rounds and come back. Oh, that's funny. So I didn't yeah. have I didn't have the whole night to write it. But that's ninety percent of what ended up in the play was written that night. Okay. Because I just I had it all there, but I just didn't have that that piece. Like why is what why does this performance matter? And then once I got that, boom! I was yeah. You know, I kind of had to write it. Yeah. You know, I try to avoid writing unless I absolutely have to write it. Or <laughs> unless somebody hires me and writes a big check. Oh, well, that's Which nice. has happened a few times. Yeah? Right? Yeah, but uh, not not that often. But it, it hasn't happened recently for sure. But oh. <laughs> every once in a while they'll wave a little money at me. So, so when I'm watching Eddie Presley, of course, you know, I see Quentin Tarantino's face in those scenes where you're in the mental hospital and he's an attendant with the gurney and then because he's so i mean sure and, and then guy. and then my eyes slip over the other guy pushing the gurney i go no <laughs> bruce campbell yeah. how'd you do that <laughs> yeah i think i think jeff the same kind of thing somebody knew him and they were like in fact it was i think it was supposed to be sam raimi Okay. And and Ramey got a better gig. I think he got a Coen Brothers gig or something. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, but he had uh, Bruce stood in for him. You know, he was the, <laughs> it was funny because they actually had a few. If you look on the extras, um, I give you the disc there. They're, they're, they actually had lines and which were funny. And I don't know why, but uh, Jeff Burr and his in his infinite wisdom decided to cut that stuff out. But it's it's actually you know they have like it's just a couple of exchanges, but. It's funny stuff, you know, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know. That might have been an error in judgment on his part. I don't. <laughs> if you're listening, Jeff, uh, <laughs> probably he would probably agree. At I this think. Point. Yeah, because it was just I don't know. Who who knows why people yeah. do stuff? You know, yeah. you, you, I've I've done plenty of stupid things in my life, and that would. That yeah, that's a whole nother episode <laughs> for both of us, right? Oh, I, can, I no. got a whole chapter Oh, you of that. just gave me an idea. <laughs> Stupid stuff Stupid I have done. Stuff. <laughs> so what are you doing now? I mean, what's going on in your life? I, got, I actually have a few things coming up. Um, I just did a movie. The one I was saying, I just went out and read for it. It's called The Great Illusion. It's kind of a serial killer thing. I'm not, I, 
I don't know that much about it, but uh, it's a real movie. Um, I've got a movie coming out called Give Till It Hurts, okay. which is me and Danny Roebuck and Leslie Easterbrook. I'm actually wearing a Leslie shirt today. Um, and a guy named Glenn Hens, who's actually one of my students, um, he miraculously ended up being one of the leads in this thing just because the director saw him in my class. So let that be a lesson to you. Go to class. Um, um, and it turned out really well. It's kind of been sitting around for about three years. There's, they've had some problems, not creative stuff, just, just I don't know what all's going on, but it's finally coming out, it looks like. And then I've got another movie coming out called Getting Grace. It's also, this is directed by Danny Roebuck, starring Danny Roebuck and me and Dana Ashbrook and uh, a, a, an actress named Maddie Dundon, who's amazing. It's about a, uh, and Marcia Dietline. It's uh, it's about a girl dying of cancer, but it's sort of a comedy. Um, okay. I mean, there's, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> obviously it's, you know, it's a girl dying of cancer. So it's, there's a certain tone to it, but really turned out really, really well. It's a project he had been trying to get made for years and years, and it finally all came together. And we did that, shot that in Pennsylvania almost two years ago now. So okay. it had a little theatrical release, did really well, and it's, it's coming out on all those. I don't know the dates, but it's... What's, your, what's the title called, of that it's one? It's called Getting Grace. Getting Grace. Really good money. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. I mean, they're kind of selling it as a face-based movie, which it's really not. Although, I don't think they would be offended by that. It just doesn't have the elements that, that some of those elements that those films generally are required to have. But I, a family film, kind of, I don't, a really good Hallmark movie, maybe. I don't, I don't really know exactly how to, how to put it in a category, but it's just mm-hmm. a good movie. Um, okay. Really proud to be in that one. And, and Dan did, pulled off an amazing feat with that thing. Um, what else do I got coming out? Um, something else. Let me let me check my notes here. What did I, what have I done? Oh, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the new Rob Zombie movie for the horror. I'm in uh, the Devil's Reject sequel. Oh, okay. And I've done a I've done a, a couple of movies with Rob. I did the original, the tiny little thing, the original, and I did his, his Halloween two. And he called me and asked me to be in this. So you know, hopefully, you know, I'll make the cut. <laughs> yeah, Rob, don't cut me out, man. Um, because that's obviously good for the the convention circuit i don't know definitely i don't do it i don't do a ton i don't do as much of it as i would like um but when i do do it even even though the rob zombie it's especially devil's rejects i sign a lot of that stuff people really that particular movie the, the fans are pretty loco about and they want everybody to sign it and it's just it's like an all-inclusive they want everybody who had anything to do with that movie to sign okay. it so um and we talked about, yeah, Grace. And, and then, uh, like I said, this thing I just did. What else? Give Till It Hurts. Yeah, that's. I guess that's about it. I mean, they're, they're kind, of, kind of a bunch of stuff stacked up. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's, you know, it's kind of been scattered out over a period, but it all bunches up. And, and, yes. uh, and so, you, you know. And then all of a sudden you look like you're just everywhere all the time. Yeah, no, you look on IMDb, IMDb right now. It looks like I'm, I'm working much more than I am. But, but uh, you know, I've been really lucky. I mean, it, it's anybody who's worked. I mean, I've essentially worked pretty consistently in film and TV since 86, 87, something like that. That's that's a lot to say. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty, pretty fortunate. I mean, I don't say lucky because it wasn't like I was sitting there scratching a lottery card, but I was, I've worked at it and I've, 
I've, uh, you know, given up a lot, you know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, if, if, believe me, if I would have been happy doing anything else, I certainly would. That, that's the, I was thinking that's like the worst cliche when I was starting to like, well, if you could, if you could be happy doing something else to I was like, what a stupid thing, but it's, it's kind of true because, you know, unless you end up on a series, you never have any stability, you know, and it's, it's yeah. not, it's not that fun when you're 59, you know, it's when you're 22, who cares? Yeah, because you got plenty of time. Yeah, I'll sleep in my car, which I did. Yeah, you know, I slept in my car, and, and I think I'd been in Hollywood three months. I was sleeping in my car, you know, and I might have been there a lot longer. I got lucky and got a and got a job. I was working in security for Merv Griffin's company on Graveyard, and I, then I would I would go out and I would do plays and, and audition yeah. for stuff during the day. But you know, I was lucky. Even I didn't even know at the time how lucky I was to get a job like that where I could actually pay my bills and still do everything you know right how many people can't yeah, you know, come to close to that but you're working it I and mean, you're you're out there and you're yeah i've been I, again it's been it's you know when i look back at all the the people that i started with there's maybe i mean one of my best friends danny roebuck a lot of this stuff involves him a lot of these projects and, and we met as extras on general hospital oh really in 1983 i think i, I think that year is right but i mean and he's done really well i mean he's done you know he's further up the food chain here than i am but uh-huh. but of all the people i mean from that period all those people that i met and worked with and did plays with there's, there's a couple of them still in the business but not really not not i mean not what you would think I mean, so just just surviving this long, I guess, is something, you know, because there's never, lot. yeah, there's never been like a two year period when I didn't work or anything. I mean, I've gone a year a couple of times, um, but there's never been like this this thing where like nobody wants me for four years or five years. So you have you have to accept that possibility, you know, because mm-hmm. there's periods where just nobody wants to hire you. And, yeah, you know, but, and as a creative person, you have to. You have to uh, diversify, like you're you're doing with your writing and with the, the acting workshops and. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually when I started teaching, it wasn't even really a, obviously it's a source of income, but I you know my my whole idea when I started teaching at the time it was one of those few times periods where I really didn't need the money. I was doing, I was doing fine. I mean, I lived very simply, and I was living, you know, I had a my girlfriend had a really good job and we worked and she produced. And so we, we didn't really have any money. Like if I didn't work for six months, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, she wouldn't have liked it, <laughs> <laughs> but it would, you know, we would have still been fine. And that's when I started teaching. So it was more of just like, it wasn't really even about any kind of income or anything. I was just like, I'm curious if I can explain what the hell I, what I'm trying to do. And if yeah. I can, and so it was, it was, you know, and my whole idea is, I said I'm going to try to keep this this class a secret, and I've succeeded admirably at that. You know, I've never had more than ten people in. You know, okay, like seven's a good number. Right? And yeah. I think part of it's just laziness, and and part of it's I've never advertised. I just turn on the lights and hope somebody shows up. Uh-huh. I don't even this this particular space here, which is relatively new to me. Uh, I have somebody who runs all the equipment. If he didn't show up, I'd be in deep trouble. You know, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't even know how to do anything except turn on the lights. You know. Okay, so. and unlock the door. Yeah, that's about it. I yeah. can turn the alarm off. Okay. Oh, well, that's so really that's, important. <laughs> yeah, that's Seriously, a, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> I have. A, I could do a whole episode on alarms. I have. A, that's one of my like paranoias. <laughs> alarms that's going funny. off. I, I'd be the worst burglar ever. Thank you. Thanks, Dwayne.
So today on Evil Elvis episode, on our ring finger, on the things we love, the things that we would bury in the yard and keep forever, the things that we would encase in uh, plastic. Yes. You know, or hoarding in a huge collection. Oh, yeah. Hoarding in a huge collection. We've seen that show. I have. (laughs) Not too many episodes. So disturbing. But on Things We Love Today, we're talking about Elvis, what we love about Elvis. And I do have a story here. Um, Gosh, let's see. How is this going to go? I had friends. Well, we all had friends in high school, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But two of my friends were uh, John Sloan and uh, Betty Weimer. Betty was my best friend. And John was uh, the AD guy in theater arts. And I was the girl you can drag off stage with a hook, you know? And we were friends. I, I actually used to give him girl advice back in 1976. So we graduate high school. We all remain friends. Um, everybody gets married. Everybody gets divorced. <laughs> but, uh, but John, he went through a hard time during... Uh, some of those years where he had cancer and he almost died and he was married during through that process and um he was married for 20 years but after that process he decided to kind of do a recelebration of life and went to decided to have um a remarriage like a reaffirmation of their marriage in Las Vegas. Mm. And he invited old friends. And that included me and my friend Betty, my best friend. And we, uh, so he, he was going to do it in a white trash way. And he, in a, an Elvis wedding mm-hmm. in the old part of town in Las Vegas. I'd never been to Las Vegas. I've never been an Elvis fan. But I wanted to honor my friend. And he was doing a white trash wedding and the, the requirements were really pretty simple was to dress white trash for this wedding. So I went to Goodwill and I took very careful care to buy the right outfit, which I did. And um, no, I don't have a picture to share <laughs> and I won't describe it, but, because, but it was totally white trash. And Betty did the same thing. Uh, She actually brought her Star Trek uniform. I don't think she wore that to the wedding, but she's a Trekkie. So, you know, Mm. that's a whole nother story. Maybe she'll do an episode on that. But uh, so we go to this wedding and uh, it's in, like I said, the old part of town. There's the Elvis impersonator. And John had rented uh, a room in this kind of theme motel. And it was the Elvis room with a Cadillac bed. And it was just, it was really fun. We just had really a great time. The funny thing about that story is that a few more years go along and he and and that wife end up divorced after 20 years. And uh, we'd still been friends, just friends. We'd always been friends. We never dated in high school. But we were talking as he went through his divorce and the changes in his life. And he was redoing his house and furniture. And, and I had a career in faux finish and 
things were slow at that time for me financially as raising my kids as a single mom. So he invited me to come to his house on a working vacation to paint his house and uh, earn some money, which I did. And this was five years ago and uh, 900 miles apart, actually like 800 and well, 900 miles, we'll just say 900 miles. <laughs> So I came out, I painted his house, and uh, lo and behold, we fell in love. So five years later, here we are. Oh, wow. You know. So it's a love story. It's a love story yes. that began with Elvis. Who knew? Please, we know about Elvis. Thank the you, love Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> How about you, Nuria? What's your Elvis story? Well, it's interesting. Um, it, I, I'm younger, so I don't know him much. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't live stuff that I saw about him. So in my childhood, I remember seeing his pictures, his movies, and and listening to his music. And what caught my attention is, well, to start, he looks like one of my uncles. Oh, one of my my uh, mother's brothers. Okay. So he's handsome. You can yes. <laughs> well, both of them, both of them. Elvis, I, Elvis not just my you, uncle. but but everyone I've met in your family mm -hmm. are very attractive oh, people. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fortunately, we we have good features. But yes, you do. Um, going back to Elvis. Uh, yes. <laughs> his eyes are very expressive, and sometimes for me, he looks so gorgeous that he looks even like a woman or something like that. He looks perfect, like 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 porcelain skin and all that is very interesting that that catches my attention constantly his voice is unique and that's why he was able to have different genres when he was being a singer um, for me he was kind of comparable with the michael jackson of his era yeah because he was also yeah um very uh, distinctive in his voice and very um, diverse mm -hmm. in 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 his doing of music. Um, he played instruments, so he didn't only just sing or or act. He had actual he talent. All, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell, and I do remember Not that singing or acting is an actual talent. Right. Uh, oh, uh, uh, sorry, <coughs> I, isn't it? Hold um, on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Going back to Elvis. Yes. Back to Elvis. Yes. Um, I do remember my mom saying that he served in war, so I didn't know about that time when I was, as I said, I was a child when she mentioned that, and that yeah. it, that also caught my attention because he interrupted his career, but when he came back after serving in war, which is also something that has to be said and, and appreciated and recognized to him. Um, he boosted off his career. He was even more famous after coming back from war. And yeah. it's something that I that I like, let's say. It's, yeah. it's what I'm bringing for, for this segment. He was able to to take an interruption correct. in yeah. his career he and was still come good back. Good enough, correct. Yeah. yeah. To, and 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 you and you get the yeah. sense, like mm -hmm. I do, that he didn't take that interruption in his career for the attention of exactly. it. Although he got no, lots of no, attention, yeah, uh -huh. but it wasn't. He his. made an impact. Yeah. In in society, and like in that. the public. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's why I like it. And that's I like great. him. I love that. Well, thank you. Yes. 
Thank you, Elvis. And that's it on this section today. There you go. <laughs> oh, I should have ended it that way. I'll have uh, Arabia end it that way oh, when okay. she does her section. Excellent. Normally, on Jackie's Hand of Horror, we are now at the pinky section where Miss Aradia entertains us with uh, some nine-year-old remarks on the subject of the day. In this case, um, I should have prepped the kid. I turned on the recorder, I asked her what she knew about Elvis, and uh, there was a complete blank. That's it, folks. Well, thank you for joining us once again on Jackie's Hand of Horror. We've had another great episode here with my team, with Nudia. Hello, everybody. And myself and our tech support, Quinn and Natalie and the rest of the crew at the Revival League podcast. Beep.